welcome to episode 50 of the Overthinking Movies podcast. I'm your overthinking host, Brandon Hain. If you're a returning listener, thank you as always for your support. Or if this is somehow your first episode, again, welcome. But know that this is not a typical episode. So the description for this podcast, it says we provide reviews, retrospectives, and editorials. Over the past two years, we've done maybe 90% reviews, 10% retrospectives, and zero editorials. So, now is the time to change that. Through the process of reviewing a wide range of films, from Godzilla to Treasure of the Sierra Madre to Josie and the Pussycats, you form a perspective of what works and what doesn't work, and what different elements, different types of movies need to work, what feels genuine and what feels hackneyed. You also learn that movies are complicated, and very rarely are truly amazing or ever truly bad. Especially with Hollywood films, where thousands of people contribute to every production, something is bound to still work. The special effects are great, but the characters are dull. The music is wonderful, but the story's kind of uninteresting. The ending was amazing, but the beginning was so slow. <laughs> if you've ever made a creative project, you know that no matter the final quality, even just crossing the finish line can be difficult. Making something bad is hard, let alone making something good, which is much, much more difficult. So, when reviewing a movie, I'm of two minds. The first is as someone who did short films and TV shows in college that has felt the struggle, but also the joy of working on a big project and can sympathize when something doesn't work out in a movie or a TV show. However, I'm also of the mind as an audience member who wants to feel like the ticket prices I am paying are justified by the two hours I am spending staring at a big screen in the dark before I go back to staring at screens for my job. If I come out of something great, that of course enhances my day. If I come out of something truly bad, well, sometimes the energy I gain from the frustration can also enhance my day. But if something is middling, dull, well then I gain nothing and feel nothing. And too often, I found this to be a majority of Hollywood films. Not bad, not good, simply fine. To the point where fine has become an in-joke amongst my co-hosts as a death sentence word to any movie that it's applied to. Fine is different from mediocre. It's fine is like a singularity. It's a specific feeling that for me at least, really came into effect a number of years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as its factory-like formula for pumping out movies became more and more obvious. A fine movie can have a few laughs, a few intriguing ideas or scenes, but the majority has to be ever so slightly above average and that's it. It creates this mechanical feeling. You can start to feel each part of the process as it happens. Okay, so here's the scene where the villain meets the hero for the first time. Okay, that's about 20 minutes in. Alright, so let's squeeze in some comedy here, just because something heavy happened, regardless of if it feels in character or emotionally organic. It's that kind of feeling where things are motivated by emotion instead of by the logic of a story. The first Doctor Strange movie was a major victim of this, where it felt like they would flick a switch on the back of Benedict Cumberbatch to put him into comedy mode which felt like a completely different character than the blunt, egotistical, mean-spirited man he would switch back to immediately after the comedy ended. 
See, it's more about placing images and music that trigger specific emotions in a sequence that has worked before, rather than something more memorable and potentially risky. Like writing an unlikable character that can't simply be a different person for 10 seconds just to give your audience levity. And despite all this, obviously I thought Doctor Strange had some positives. I mean, I loved its surreal visuals and its wonderful climax where Doctor Strange beats the villain based on wit rather than a standard action scene. But that makes the character's inconsistent portrayal all the more disappointing. It's that system of mechanical, emotion-based pacing that makes so many Marvel movies never truly bad, but also just never really memorable. I know for certain I saw Captain Marvel and Black Widow, but I can't tell you a single thing about either of those movies. I think one took place in the 90s? Does this mean the quality and fun of the Avengers movies makes up for the mix of dozens and dozens of other MCU movies that leave no impression? As great of a time I had with Infinity War and Endgame, I'm not so sure. Last year, both of my audiences for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder were dead silent throughout both movies aside from one or two moments. In Doctor Strange, that moment was when two people in the front of the theater loudly clapped and cheered because it seemed like their fan theories of this specific character's casting were true. And for Thor Love and Thunder, the only moment where anybody in that theater made a sound was when a few people chuckled at the goat screaming in a human voice that is based on an internet meme from 2008. That apparently was the only thing in that comedy movie that people connected with. And despite how quiet and unenthused these audiences were in both movies, they still waited through the credits to see the after credits scene at the end, which felt more like a dim routine than any sort of anticipation. Then, just as silently, they left, not discussing the movie, just moving along to their cars. It was strangely eerie. But obviously my audience can't speak for the majority, right? If the entire world views these movies with the same enthusiasm as my audiences, then I doubt the MCU would continue to hit at the box office like it always does, right? It's difficult to generalize, though, because the atmosphere of theaters even 30 miles from the one I went to can be drastically different. And because ever since the internet age began, audiences have splintered further and further into groups and subgroups of online communities that share their specific interests. I mean, think about it. There are movie franchises that have been going on for so many decades that different generations have nostalgia for different eras. Just because you like Star Wars doesn't mean you like all of Star Wars, right? There are communities for the old movies, the new movies, the newest movies, communities for the old cartoon and the new cartoon and the spin-off streaming service limited series and... Uh, the deeper you comprehend what the internet has done to us as a society in terms of how we consume media, it's at once both astounding and existentially horrifying. Yet, without it, so many of my interests, and I am sure many of yours, wouldn't have formed or at least grown as deep-seated. Many people of my generation these days lament the era of blockbuster and the height of television programming when you could be exposed to so many random movies based on, well, what was on. And while I think it's always important to reflect on the positives and negatives of past eras of technology and apply them to the future, implying that those times were definitively better is obviously rose-tinted. People today have so many more options, but ultimately, we still find our niches. 
based on, again, what's available. What streaming services we have, what's in our recommendations, what movies are available or taken away that month. The problem now is, obviously, overstimulation. I should be watching movies all the time with the endless library I have available, and also because I have this podcast, but more often than I like to admit, I end up watching little or nothing, just scrolling through my options until I give up because I can't make a decision. Then, around 2021, and mostly in 2022, when movie theaters began to reopen, I found myself pulled back to movie theaters, simply due to the lack of choices. And... I can report from 2023 so far, I'm finding myself inside theaters now more than ever. Not just for the podcast, but because there's just far more options that catch my interest. And I'm also happy to report that so far, those movies that I've gone to see that strike my interest have been above fine. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish had a strong, relatable message about anxiety, the fear of death, and the legacy we leave behind. And it was all effectively told and articulated through its strong ensemble cast. And then uh, Cocaine Bear. Uh, Cocaine Bear was a charming, gory horror comedy with, again, a fun cast of interesting characters that made the tension of who the bear will attack really engaging. Is this because Hollywood is finally catching up on releases after the pandemic? And will this positive trend continue? I guess we'll have to find out. So, as we celebrate two years of the Overthinking Movies podcast, I want to thank you, wherever you are in the world, because according to my analytics, you guys are all over the place. That's impossible for me to think about. But I thank all of you, all over the world, for taking a chance on this little podcast because it truly is one of the main things in my life that keeps me creatively motivated from day to day. I look to introduce new types of episodes in the future, including director profiles, episodes highlighting notably bad or notably good movies of the 21st century, and much more. We're just getting started here, and I hope to keep making improvements. So please, any feedback you have, episode suggestions, topics to talk about, or more editorials like this, send them all to overthinkingmoviespodcast at gmail.com. And to dig into our now 50-episode back catalog of overthinking movies, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you can find podcasts. We're also available to listen on WCHX1055.com, GoldHitsWKVA.com, and Star967.com. In the time that it took me to finally decide on a script for this episode, I now have a backlog of episodes to release, so look forward to many, many episodes coming up even in April. It's going to be a very busy year for this podcast, possibly the biggest, and I hope to have the largest turnout of episodes yet. That's a wrap. 